0: Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. This is episode 22, The Queen of the Desert. Our Woman of the Week is Gertrude Bell, who lived from 1868 to 1926. We are sourcing her story as researched and told by Georgina Howell in her biography, Gertrude Bell, Queen of the Desert, Shaper of Nations. Today's music was composed by Ralph Vaughn Williams and is called The Lark Ascending. Welcome to the Queen Soak podcast. I'm Anne. This is Tammy. This is Courtney. And our woman of the week is <laughs> Gertrude Bell. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, so Gertrude Bell. She lived in the early 1900s just before World War 1. She is a contemporary with uh, Winston Churchill. And a lot of the British campaign, uh, when the empire was still a huge thing in Britain, or not in Britain, that's kind of the point of an empire. It's, like, all over the place. Like, anyway, the time when they they could say that the sun never set on the British Empire, that's when Gertrude is living. So, we've also got a little bit of... So, yeah. So, we've got Victoria... Queen Victoria who has just helped with the industrial revolution and we've got a lot of people in britain who are making money now um not just so it's not just like the old money crowd with the nobles and they've all got their names and their titles and all of that and their land and like generational wealth but now we have new pe- new people with new money coming onto the scene gertrude's gertrude's father is one of these people he is new money Um, he made a lot of his money, um, in steel exports, I think. Um, but he was, he, his family, his wife and himself, like, and uh, Gertrude as well, they were not really accepted or invited in by a lot of the British, uh, monarchy at the time or the British nobility, the people who had titles, like there's, um, still a lot of class differences between old money versus new money. And even if you've got like all the poli- like the politeness and the niceties, like sometimes you just can't overcome <laughs> prudish snobbery. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that's very much what her father is going through. Um there's uh yeah. So Gertrude has grown up kind of in this situation. Um, But we're also kind of like very much at the turn of the century. So we no longer have huge wide hoop skirts that go out like in a 10 foot diameter around women. We're slimming down to the more uh, Edwardian um, fashions. Um, Gertrude's very into fashion, which is why I bring that up later in her life. She does. Um, But she also has the benefit because of this that she gets to go to school with her uh, younger brothers, and she even eventually is going to go to college. Her mom and her never really get along. Her mom is always frustrated with her dad for sending her to college, Um, and so she pursues a lot more, I guess you would say, masculine things at the time, even though they're like just basic things like wanting to get an education and not only does she get an education but then she goes to Oxford and she gets a degree in um poetry actually poetry and philosophy I believe um oh. yeah crazy right which her mom was like no that's totally respectable for her to get a degree in poetry and philosophy because <laughs> those are like womanly studies at the time um of course. yeah And that's, that's how she made it all seem honorable and all that. But um, Gertrude also still is just like, but I don't like the situation here. Like I said, we've got the old money versus new money, but now we've also got the older ideas of women are unable to do certain things and to perform in certain ways. And like we said, she got a degree in poetry, which is kind of looked down on as a woman's um, a woman's profession, a woman's studies, and so she's like, uh, I don't want to deal with, like, I don't want to get married to any of the guys here, and so she convinces her parents, uh, mostly her father, to send her to, um... oh gosh, I didn't get Baghdad, um, somewhere in the Middle East, where her, where her, um, her uncle and aunt are currently living um her uncle is in the military her aunt is there because they're they're just posted there and whatever their position is there it's probably like some kind of governorship kind of like you see with um governor swan in pirates of the caribbean the the british have this thing where they just like put people there and leave them there and then they send an army to make keep things and like it's very if you're thinking about it it's actually very uh, in line with what Machiavelli taught about like sending people and like leaving them there you know um, and yeah, they would never say that um, instead we call that colonialization and it has a bad rap but anyway I that's another discussion um, anyway so her uncle is part of the military and he is posted in the Middle East and Gertrude is like I want to go out. I want to go explore. I want to go adventure. And her father is like, well, respectable girls, excuse me, respectable girls, they go and they spend time with their relatives. And when they're spending time with their relatives, like everything looks okay. Everything looks kosher. And so she's like, okay, I will go do that. Um, so she goes to the Middle East. And while she's there, um, she meets a young man who teaches her, helps her learn the language, introduces her to um, Arabic poetry and Islamic po- poetry, and she really develops a love for the culture and this whole new world that is so different from the one that she has grown up in. Um, she really, like, she um, learns more about, like, the history, the architecture of, and, like, there's a lot of cities in ruins that she learns about and she gets to know different people um she goodness by the time she dies she speaks over like 27 languages i think and a lot of them are very specific like arabic different arabic uh, dialects um i think the first language she learned so she studied arabic um her first time going to the middle east um and then her second and third time like she studied Farsi and then um per- there's another language I can't remember the name of it but it starts with a p and it's not Persian but um but yeah so she she studies a lot of languages um but this does gentleman
2: use all of them
0: yes she does um <laughs> yeah it we sorry that was kind of a spoiler alert or a spoiler oh. where I said that she learned all these languages um i'll you'll see how she how she used them
2: (laughs) okay cool sorry to interrupt
0: oh no worries no worries um so she so she meets this guy and i can't remember his name i feel so bad when i say that (laughs) um but she meets him and it's come off like we're
1: quite feminist we don't remember any of the
0: men's names <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel so bad. it's not intentional <laughs> no it's not but um in if you've seen the movie um queen of the desert um it's about gertrude bell and it's the guy that plays james franco so and if you haven't That's seen not the a bad movie, representation <laughs> oh heck no like he's hot and Nicole Kidman um, plays Gertrude Bell. So it's a fam- fabulously good I haven't watched
1: lovely. that. I'll have to do that. It sounds amazing. It's,
0: it's so good. Um, So I'm sorry I can't remember his name, but James Franco. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it wasn't James Franco. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so she meets this guy, and he introduces her to a lot of poetry, a lot of architecture, a lot of the culture down there. And she is just absolutely enthralled by him he's fantastic he's perfect for her in every way and she really loves him and he asks her to marry him and she writes home to her father and is like dad I want to marry this man he's amazing um uncle introduced him to me like it's totally fine like I'm gonna marry him And her father writes back to her and says, this man that you've met that you think you're going to marry is a gambler, a cheat. Um, He completely lost like his entire living. And the reason that he's out there in the middle East right now is because he has nothing else that he can do with his life. And so you are absolutely not going to marry him. In fact, because of your poor (laughs) decision-making skills right now, you're coming home. And she's like, what ouch yeah it's a very i mean he's he's definitely a lot nicer than that but that's basically the essence of what happens and so she breaks off her engagement to this young man and she goes home and a couple weeks later after she's gotten home she gets a letter from her uncle let letting them know that he has died in an accident which may or may not have been suicide we don't know um it still is very unknown um and she gertrude is devastated by this um she believes it was suicide and that if they had married um he wouldn't have died and so naturally to overcome her grief she decides to get together with two of her friends from college and climb every significant peak in Europe.
1: Nice. Um, I mean, I really like
0: this escalation. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So so she goes with these two guys, and granted, in college slash high school, or the equivalent, she would have learned French, uh, German, and Italian. And so she's traveling across Europe. Um, She hikes the Pyrenees, which is like Virginia Hall though under different circumstances uh she hikes the Alps um there's like four or five more that she hikes and not only does she hike them she sets records for hiding hiking them uh with these guys like for how quickly she's able to hike them for their endurance for how long they stay up there for like multiple reasons they somehow I don't know what their uh standards for record making and stuff were in the uh, 1900s but she sets a lot a lot of records on these hills or, they're not just hills they're like severe mountain peaks cle- mountain peaks <laughs> anyway so after she's had time to grieve and set records <laughs> um, she goes back to the the middle east and she decides that with her newfound, um, maybe not so much newfound, but more of just a, I don't know, there's, there's something interesting about like climbing, um, different mountains and mountain peaks that gives you a real sense of your ability to be able to do and accomplish hard things. And that's really what she gets from this. She learns a lot more about herself in this mountain climbing, um, and because of that, when she goes back to the Middle East, when people tell her that no, you can't go to that place because it's dangerous, she's like, "Um, I'm sorry, but have you ever climbed the Pyrenees and stayed on a two foot mountain peak for like three hours?" I didn't think so. Like
1: <laughs> she
0: like this this just newfound. Uh, confidence that she has she's like no i see no danger in going into these places and exploring and learning more is she stupid about it no so she has a guide um that i want to say his name is hakim but i can't remember it for sure um but he is um a native to the area and she hires him to go on these different journeys with her and while she's out there um, studying the desert, she goes where the British won't go. And because of this, she is able to uh, discover and map new places. Um, I
1: know I she visits- they I think but- um, like her experience with losing someone that she cared about in life, it probably gave her this, um, this element, not fearlessness, but this... I think this drive to just live in a bigger way and maybe to be a little less afraid of death and this, like, what life is, and maybe not listen to the societal boundaries. And it sounds like from her upbringing, you know, that her family was very, even within their household, but definitely within society, on that edge of like what is acceptable or not. So I think it's really yeah. cool that she's like, listen it is what it is. I'm not stupid, but you're not going to tell me not to live and go do something fun and step outside boundaries when, you know, yeah, we're mortal, but you know, we're going to, I don't want to be, um, constrained just by your idea of something being dangerous for a woman or a person. So that's cool. I like this. Yeah,
0: no, I like it a lot. And to clarify the people telling her that she can't go places, um, are more, not so much her family, but more the the British military that is in the area. Um, so, but only because when she explains to her father that she needs extra money, he funds all of her research in the Middle East, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, yes. <laughs> and later he's offered a title and she never forgives him for accepting it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, when she writes to her father, she's like, Oh yeah, I totally got all the permissions I need to go do this trip. It's gonna cost me this much for supplies. If you'll just send that money to me, I'll be on my way within the next couple weeks. And he does it because he's like, Yeah, oh my she gosh, got can we just
1: talk about how that is not our lifestyle? And I really no, wish 100 percent not. Because right? I really need a benefactor. I too <laughs> would love to travel the world <laughs> right and questionable situations whatever to experience culture and something you know different uh but i don't have somebody to write a letter to and be like hey it costs X Y Z, and thank you very much
0: <laughs> i mean but i think they call those grants
1: though.
2: though don't they oh like, well maybe i should grants. do more
1: research yeah yeah <laughs> i also yeah, just I, love I, her confidence <clears throat> in that
2: like she understands her dad. She understands her confidence in her skills. And then when she goes to ask her dad for it, she's like, yeah, I fully deserve this because I've got the skills to do it. I've researched it. I've done all of the the stuff behind the scenes that I need to do. So for, mm-hmm. for me, I really think that's important because that she wouldn't get where she was and her dad wouldn't give her the money necessarily if she wasn't confident in her skills and he wasn't confident in her skills.
1: Yeah. No, oh yeah, and she's using you know this is her network, this is her mm-hmm. council, um, her family yeah. and her family's connections, and it goes out from there. So she's utilizing yeah. all of the, um, all of the connections and all of the opportunities that she has to be able to go and do what she's passionate about. So it's really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, one hundred percent. And her council is going to get a lot bigger. Um, so she's got her guide that she takes with her. They go into the desert and he helps her in different situations now keep in mind we are in the middle east and we are also in uh the 1900s so um ideas about women and what it is appropriate for a woman to be doing especially on her own in the desert uh there's there's quite a bit of um cultural things here and there um So it's very, very unusual for Gertrude to be in the desert by herself, especially when she only has a brief understanding or a a general understanding of the language of Arabic at this point. Um, And like a very simple understanding of the culture there granted she has an understanding of the culture because she did live with her uncle for a little while and she has read poetry and she has translated some of the poetry from um like that's one of her later works after her father dies um she uses her translations of poetry to help support herself and fund her um fund her research in the middle east um and, yeah, but right now, just starting off, she doesn't have that. Um, so uh, she's definitely an oddity at first. <laughs> people are like, what are you doing? Why are you here? But she learns how to integrate with the different people and how to present herself in such a way that the, the different uh, Arab tribes that she meets they come to see her as somebody who is important. Um, for example, one of the things that you do when when you are met by different people in the desert, because um, each of the tribes had their own territories. And so when you cross into somebody's territory, um, they typically will send somebody, it, it depends on the tribe, of course, but they'll send somebody to come meet you, find out if you're a friend or foe. And what she would do, which I guess was a part of like a custom of the desert is when she would see them approaching, she would stop set up her tent and then she would invite all of them in for a drink and offer them gifts and give them like water in the desert is like a huge prize to give people. And she would make sure that they, the people who came to check on her, see who she was and what she was doing out there. She would make sure to, um, take care of them under her tent, which in this way gave her a reputation of being somebody that was was like a great lady or at, at the very least um, what we would consider royalty or nobility among the, the different people, even though they're like, we have no idea who she is. <laughs> but she's she's taking care of us and she's very generous with what she has. And, um, this just really raises her in their, in their estimations, um, and in their minds. Later, when she gets to know the different tribe chiefs a little bit better, um, her guide tells her, when you meet people, you need to make sure that you give them a gift. You have to give them something that demonstrates how important they are and that you are a servant to them of sorts. Um, I might be mis that a little bit, but basically the idea is like, it's it's a very, it does honor to them to give them a gift and it shows that you are an honorable person and that you understand and know their culture because you are respecting them within their culture. Um, this kind of goes back to with Mike Meyer, um, how when you are in the... Um, you follow the rules of the of the culture and the place that you're in, um, even if they are different from yours and they seem odd. Um, she is very much Gertrude Bell in this situation. is very much doing everything she can to follow the customs and the traditions of the the Middle Eastern cultures, so that she can get to know them and understand them and learn more about them. Not for her own personal gain, like she does not gain anything from this. But the exploring and the understanding of culture that she gains is, is critical to her. Um, so, this is basically her life for the next little while, is just studying um, these different tribes. While she's out there, she, she learns several different dialects. Like I said, um, before the end of her life, she learned over 27, I believe. Um, different specific dialects and uh, going back to her poetry a little bit that um, they the author went through and um, shared different translations of the same poem one is with a very broad understanding of Arabic and another is of her understanding of Arabic and there's just like this intimate like intimacy and depth to her translations because of her knowledge and understanding of the language and the culture that the more generic translation just, it's almost like getting it off of Google translate, like (laughs) it knows the words, but like it doesn't have the context or the soul behind it. Yeah. Um, Which I think is really cool. That's that honestly is something that I think Gertrude Bell really understands um especially as a liaison between the british and the and the arabs is that she knows the soul of the people um it's more than just like a a generic google maps it you know yeah um which i think is really fun so um about this time uh during her first visit to um to the middle east uh, World War I breaks out. And she, as a faithful and loyal servant of the crown, she returns home to England to do whatever it is that she can to help with the war. Um, I think this is about the time that she meets her captain. Um, he's already married, um, but she keeps up a lot of correspondence with him and is a good friend to him. Um, they meet a few different times There is a lot of evidence um, to suggest that they were more romantically involved than um, just intellectually, Um, but there's also a lot of evidence that says that nothing ever happened between them. Uh, But anyway, so she returns and she helps out. One of the things that she works on specifically um, is during the war is helping out at the hospital so she makes sure and creates an organization so that people know, and like the families can find out when their their uh, when their sons or their brothers or their fathers or their husbands um, arrive in a hospital, um, how they're being taken care of, which hospital they're at, what work needs to be done, like. Basically, the medical system that we have today, she kind of lays the groundwork for it on paper and pen, like with paper and pencil. Um, She keeps really good track of where everybody's at. And then um, for her personally, that's something that she takes a lot of uh, joy and satisfaction in. Is she then also writes letters to different families um, when their sons have died?
2: Ooh, that's a hard. And one.
0: she, that is an incredibly hard job. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, wow. And yeah, she volunteers for that post and writes the letters because she. I get. I think she read some of the letters that were being sent home by the. Uh, by the just staff that were there and they were just very factual and, um, blunt. (laughs) And she's like, no, you can't send that to somebody to tell them that their family died. Like, you know? Um, and so she was like, nope, I, I want this responsibility because I want to add a little bit of dignity to these men's lives. Um, so, after she has figured out the the hospital system and the system for notifying parents, then she takes on this role of informing the parents herself and preparing those letters. Um, and she does this until the end of the war. It is at the same time, I think it's in the middle of the war that her friend, the captain, is killed in action in Spain. Oh. And nobody is able to get to him. Nobody. Like, they... they I don't even know that they were... In, like, I don't think his unit was even supposed to be in Spain. And so Spain was like, we're neutral. What are you doing here? Like, this is ridiculous. And everybody is like... So they, the British are not allowed to go and get... um to get any of the bodies of the men that died there. Um, but somehow Gertrude Bell is one of the few people that is at, that sneaks into the country to pay her final respects um, to the captain and leaves flowers at his grave. Um, and then the war di- er, the war dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually mean that the war ends. <laughs> the war ends. Um, a couple months or like maybe a year later. Um, And as soon as it's over, Gertrude is once again, as she deals with grief, she goes back, she goes to the desert and she continues her studies. Um, There is another guy who's very important and I cannot remember his name either. (laughs) I need to, (laughs) I really need to just look up their names before I do this. Um, he also is really important for the work that he did in the Middle East. And a lot of his work he did in collaboration with Gertrude Bell. Um, so they have, so she returns to the Middle East. Things are a little bit more dangerous there now, just after the war. And there was a lot of war, uh, a lot of World War One that was fought in the Middle East. And so the British that are there have kind of been despised by uh, by the Arabs that are there. So when she returns, things are a lot more dangerous than they were before. And they're not... The The British uh, military is like, we don't want you to go do your adventuring again. And she's like, I will do all the adventuring that I want.
1: <laughs>
0: she does not take no for an answer. Um, and so she she continues and she goes and she's still working in the middle east so i just grabbed her book it's been staring at me from the other side of the room (laughs) so i don't remember why this was significant but one of the things that um gertrude bell worked on with t.e lawrence t.e lawrence is the other guy that was really important At this time, he was a little bit more in like Egypt and everything, but he also had um, a great understanding of uh, Iraq and the Middle East. Um, And so shortly before World War Two, yeah, about 20 years before World War Two, not shortly. Anyway, um, there was a whole conference going on, the Cairo Conference where a lot of the british political leaders came down um and they all went to go see the pyramids at giza and there's a very famous and important photograph um of winston churchill with gertrude bell and te lawrence and a lot of middle eastern officials all together um which is pretty important um but during so during this time um Gertrude Bell, she goes through, she gets to meet different people, and she has a lot of friends among the different different Arab tribes. And with that friendship, she kind of, or not kind of, she is able to start giving advice to the British about what they need to do and how they need to proceed. The British have decided that they are going to start pulling out of the Middle East. But they, at the same time, they also need to know that when they leave, the Middle East is going to be peaceful. And they they have T.E. Lawrence that they rely on, but um, and he's really good. But at the same time, he doesn't know about the northern part of the Middle East. He's more focused on the lower southern end. And so he's like, why are you asking me? Like, <laughs> Gertrude is the one who knows all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, but she's a woman and all this thing. Like, it's really annoying. Um, And he's like, if you really want to leave as peacefully as you claim, you need to talk to Gertrude because she's the one who can resolve all of this. So they go and they talk to Gertrude and um, specifically in Iraq, there's three different, three-ish, I believe, different tribes. They're all fighting for power. And Gertrude, um, when the British come and ask her for her advice, she says, she explains, In among all of these different warring factions, there is one guy who is not um, the son of the king or the emir. He is um, a military leader that is well-liked by everybody else. And the British who are very pro-monarchy and pro-making sure everything stays in the family, they really, really want to promote one of the emir's sons and back him in his goal to become king. Gertrude tells them, guys, <laughs> that's not how the Middle East works. I mean, to some extent, yes. But at the same time, no. Like, And so she explains that they should put their um, put their support behind this other guy. And they're like, I don't think so. And she's like, okay, you go ahead and support the king's son, the emir's son, and you just see what happens. And so they do, and the other guy becomes king, the one they didn't support,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: which um, she personally is like, ha-ha, suckers um not quite in so many words (laughs) um but she does feel vindicated because she's like no i told you i told you that's not how this works and um because of that like because of her like her not premonition but her understanding of the culture because of her understanding of the different tribes the languages and everything and her ability to explain it to other people not only do the british begin calling her grudgingly the queen of the desert but the different arab tribes when they see her coming they greet her like a queen eventually um in order to meet the ideas that all of the people have like we, we t- kind of talked about like the custom that it was that it is to go through and make sure that you um, make sure that you feed and take care of the people that come in and check and see what you're doing in their land um she she goes through and she gets herself a whole entire entourage of people to make herself look like a queen um, to make herself to present herself in such a way that when she does meet with the emirs and when she does meet with the with the people that um, she's trying to get to know and to work with a little bit more she shows them that she's on the same standing with them which i think is really cool part of the legacy that she leaves that i really really love about gertrude bell is that when she like after she dies and after she finishes her work in the middle east there's over 50 years of peace in the middle east without anybody's intervention just among the tribes by themselves because of her work and her relationships with these with with the people there um, it. right <laughs> it's definitely not the situation there today but um still a huge feat for her to accomplish um as as a woman by herself in a in two very patriarchal societies which i think is awesome agreed yeah yeah so um that that's one of the things that makes her really cool to me i also think it's really cool so she's very much um an archaeologist or an anthropologist um and one of the things that uh the other thoughts i've had about her is there's this quote in Nanny Diaries (laughs) um, where she goes through, and I think the term she she uses is um, going native. Um, But basically, it's where you have lost your ability to really observe um, objectively different... uh, You've lost your ability to observe a culture objectively because you've become too much a part of it and too emotionally invested in it, right? Yeah. And personally, like this is frowned upon in in the uh, anthropologist circles, society, like they're a whole different culture, I guess. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's, it's very looked down upon from what I understand. But in Gertrude Bell's situation, um, her... It is specifically because of her understanding of the culture and her willingness to ingratiate herself into that culture um, and to abide by the customs, by the rules, by everything like to literally go pretty native um, within the within within this world. Um, it's because of that that she's able to make such a difference, to develop these friendships and relationships that, eventually bring about peace in the middle east during an incredibly like consider this this is uh the 1900s like we've still got two world wars to go through (laughs) (laughs) before like um just thinking about like peace in the middle east and where we're at like her it is a very turbulent time um in the world and her efforts create peace in the middle east which i think is really cool
2: yeah, I just so. what I've listened to as you've gone through is I feel like Gertrude is kind of I don't want to say the culmination because a lot of the women that we've talked about have been the culmination, but she's this really interesting combination of multiple skills that we've talked about with other females and other women that we've talked about. So like um when she's the liaison between the British and the Arabs, that sounds very much like Cleopatra. She was doing yeah. her work to help her people because she knew her people. But she understood that she needed the support of Rome. And so she was this wonderful liaison between it, which really helped Cleopatra get where she needed to be. And you Mm -hmm. see Gertrude has this skill, too. Or like when she was selling her own poetry in order to finance her goals. That sounds very much like Elizabeth Packard. Not happy with where she was at and where she was, quote unquote, put in her place or how she was put in her place and instead decides to take it upon herself to really make progress. Or like her desert greetings and inviting people in for uh, for water and therefore giving them the understanding that maybe she's a little bit more than what she appears and showing herself to be more queen-like, very much Mm -hmm. like the Mongolians, like in different ways as he moved them forward and started progressing his own nation, he started understanding culture and putting his daughters very strategically in places to become that person, to become that queen or that con in order to help their country grow and I just I mean there's more I listed so many of them but I just uh, not Cleopatra wrong person Gertrude. Um, Gertrude really is this phenomenal woman who has used multiple different skills in order to help the people that she loves and supports and I think that's really what sets her apart from anybody else like right now maybe I have one of these uh, things on here. Maybe I'm a lay is in between somebody, you know what I mean? But I don't think yeah. that I have all of these skills that Gertrude does. And I think that's really what sets her apart is she takes these skills that we've been talking about and implements them as a whole in her life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 100%. I I definitely see where she has been very much set up for success. And I also see very much where she's definitely been set up for failure, like two very significant men in her life that she really loved and admired. They both died mm-hmm. and it was really, really hard for her. And yet her skills and her personal temperament were not that of I'm just gonna, you know, do the womanly thing and keep everything to myself and not talk no she invested herself in what she loved Mm -hmm. she went through and created something very strong and that like dedication that sacrifice of both her grief I mean don't get me wrong she definitely had to process her grief but that the fact that she didn't let it get her down that she used the skills that she had and didn't lose sight of who she was as a person, even in, mid, in the midst, middle of all of that, I think is also really impactful too.
2: Absolutely. She just, yeah. I don't know. She's really cool. And I wish I could be her. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we could be yeah. her. I'm sure. That's the whole point of this podcast is we can develop these <laughs> skills in our lives. but sometimes like, yeah. she's a little beyond what I can do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's pretty hardcore. I I just love that she decided to go and hike every mountain peak she could find. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and whatever it is that you have to do, you know.
1: I also love that she climbs mountains because <laughs> that's totally my thing right now. I totally miss not being in the mountains right now. I'm in Texas and it's very, it's not, it's flat. <laughs> and yeah, uh, and Jesse and... <laughs> Mostly hot and <laughs> humid. Anyways, I miss yeah. the mountains, but I do. I love what you were just saying, Anne. Like she took like hardship and set goals for herself. Something that she loved and challenged her and pushed herself. But I think, um, not surprisingly, I'm really just loving how she responded culturally um, to the areas that she put herself in um, to be kind of this liaison between cultures and in intense situations. And I just think. Um, so when I did study abroad in France in college, there was just something, I think I have like a tiny feeling for what she must've felt, which I think is just so amazing because there's, I, would, I was three months in a small town in France and you just get, um, there's just a certain um, appreciation that you um, can only develop for someone else's culture, right? Because it's, not, it's yeah. completely foreign to you. And so there's like just something a little magical about, being in, in a place and with the people that are so different from you, but you can see um, the idiosyncrasies the and, and just a beautiful way of life. And I just, I can totally picture how she must have felt to um, in all these Arabic countries and, and being able to, like you said, I mean, I'm just obsessed with her, like implementing this. I'm going to bring gifts. I'm going to honor, um, the culture that I'm in, show that I'm trustworthy, and stand by that, and um, yeah. and see what the, the people are about, so I just think it's just really cool, but I, I have, like, some inkling, I think, of what she did there. I can't imagine in a culture that's drastically different, like, where, France is not, you know, it's European, but I can't even imagine. Um, I haven't been to an Arabic country, and I, I super want to, so I just think it's really yeah. cool that she was able to um, connect with people that are so different from her. And then, but like I said, build a reputation, prove her character to be trustworthy during this time, look out for individual families and in war situations. And and just like the great deal of empathy she had towards all the people around her and be able to have strong opinions, but be able to communicate through that. Um, and even just like logistically being able to be like, hey, you know, whoever she was working with, this is what is necessary. And, um, and just really not allowing ideas or even, even sometimes safety to stop her from taking action that she felt was, was worthwhile. I just think she's really cool.
2: Yeah. Um, It's cool. Somewhat of a rhetorical question, but if you guys were to say like the take home message from Gertrude Bell's life, what, what would you say it is?
0: There's so many for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I think my biggest one, so I I kind of have two different thoughts on, on her. Um, part of the reason that I wanted to talk to her is uh, specifically about um, putting yourself in a place and allowing yourself to become a part of that place. That's something that's been on my mind a lot because I feel like I move about once a year. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, it's... It's been kind of weird for me because I don't necessarily always feel like I belong anywhere. Um, I feel like I belong more with people than I do to places. And um, for her, she she went where she was needed, but she also went back to where she wanted to be, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so she she went home to help with the war she went home because her father called her home when he was worried about her marriage i personally think her marriage to the first guy would have been amazing um he had never demonstrated that he had any of the poor qualities that had sent him to the middle east in the first place um and would they have struggled for a lot of their life probably um, but at the same time we see in Gertrude's character that she was very willing to struggle and imagine what they would have done together if if they'd been like this power couple. And yet at the same time, it's like uh, what w- what would have happened, you know? Um, so so that's one of my thoughts. Um, just this this dedication to a place um, and being there getting to know it, getting to think a lot about it. Um, but also one of the other things I forgot to tell you guys about Gertrude Bell is that she, so with a lot of her friends that she um, made in the middle East, they would tell stories about how she would, she knew the culture and the people so well that she could make jokes and she could describe disguise herself as an Arab man and could go Basically, wherever she wanted and do whatever <laughs> yeah. she wanted. And like she and this one guy, I don't think he's stolen, but like I know, <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> and this one's unfair because I didn't tell anybody about it at first. But like, that's another thing where I'm just like, I love that you can be queen of the desert and also like one of uh alibaba's 40 thieves like (laughs) (laughs) so so legit
2: (laughs) i think it's hilarious
0: um so that's that's maybe one of my my biggest takeaways Hmm.
1: from gertrude bell
2: i like it yeah what about you courtney do you have any thoughts
1: um, I think I just really appreciate her independent spirit this is a time frame where society and even like her mom struggle with her even being educated and then she kind of brought herself around like because the education was at least feminine um you know this is a girl that really stepped out and and into the world as a strong woman character that isn't was not typical and even I think we even see today like that this she had a, she had character, um, that was true, and I, I also, I just love, I just love the adventure that she, it seems like she just didn't put boundaries on herself, but stayed true to, um, to being a a great, she seems to be very empathetic, um, very respectful of culture, she knows what's going on in the world with all her connections, and she steps up and takes responsibility, um, for you know, to help situations become better. so I think I'm just very inspired by her not um, living small um mm-hmm. when it probably could have been very, very easy for her. so i'm I'm really liking this um, like a more like a tenacious um, approach to life where she's just not gonna be held back. and I don't you know, I don't not I'm not getting that like she's an aggressive, you know, sometimes I think we see that where, you know, if, if a woman steps or a person steps up into something that's abnormal, um, you know, they, they put on, uh, like a, like an armor and maybe, you know, become a little off-putting in some ways here and there. Um, but it seems yeah. like she stayed pretty open to learning and to communicating and to just living in a very big way. So I'm, that's kind of my takeaway is just, um, that she didn't, she didn't, play it safe but was able Uh, to make such a huge impact um just as an individual whereas really in that day and time I'm intrigued Dan by by the idea of what could have happened with her in a a power couple situation but I'm also like so astounded about what she was able to accomplish on her own and with the freedoms that
2: that allowed so
1: I'm I like it
2: (laughs) (laughs) about you Tammy I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth, but it's kind of a combination of what you guys said. I feel like sometimes life is really, really tough, (laughs) like really tough, as I'm sure we've all felt. But just like you said, she didn't let it get her down. Instead, she used it as a catalyst or a turning point to figuring out what she actually wanted to do with her life and going for it and not letting those trials stop her Mm -hmm. from her dreams and i think that's really so powerful because especially when you're trying to make a life change you think about all of the things that are in your way rather than where you want to go and i i actually talk to parents about this all the time because with the kids that i work with sometimes it's really hard to get in the daily grind and not see the future and what they could be and where mm-hmm. they could go and it's it gets easy like oh i don't have to worry about it so we're just going to do this or um, I know I should be doing all of these things, but I really want to make sure that um, today it goes smoother than yesterday, right? And so, in the moment, it gets yeah. really, really easy to just do what you've always done. But looking at the future m- helps you to make more consistent progress for those in your life, whether it's the child that you have or your family members, or in Gertrude's case, the people, that she was serving as the queen of the desert. And I, I just, I find that so powerful that she just kept moving forward and looking towards her ultimate dream, recognizing and feeling in the moment, the sadness and the sorrow and the frustrations of this, the different circumstance sh- circumstances she had, but still pushing forward. And I think that's really powerful for our lives that the more that we look to the future and what we want to do, the easier it is to get past our, our problems and circumstances now.
0: No, and I think that perspective, like that mindset of thinking, of knowing that your individual actions, like we we all are not, I don't know how, how to put this, like we're not all going to become president of the United States. We're not all going to move to the Middle East and you know reshape the country such that there will be peace for the next 50 years there's a part of me that's like I'm not even necessarily sure that one person right now could even make that a possibility if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah. I feel like we have expanded so much and that there's so much more involved in the world that we that would be very hard but I don't think that we should completely discount the ability and the potential of one person to make a difference in one area if they choose Mm -hmm. to dedicate themselves to a place like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, granted, we'll we'll remember names like Julius Caesar and Napoleon and Gertrude Bell. (laughs) and we'll remember these different people who made different places what they were and empires what they were granted i picked like the two most notorious men you know in history who you know <laughs> definitely made things what they were but like um not in like the nicest way um <laughs> but um but i do believe that there that individuals can make personal individual decisions that shape communities uh, yeah. i feel like the more you have an opportunity to have more of an impact on the world by shaping your corner of it than necessarily going out and trying to shape someone else's corner of it by changing them to conform to your worldview or to your existence or to your perspective of what's important um sure. i like we just as an example, like we we can talk about teachers, um teachers who that stay in one school district, stay in one area, and they have like i I had teachers who they taught um, their students' uh, parents, and then they taught the student. and I even had one teacher who taught their grand their student's grandchild, like, crazy right um but and imagine like the impact that a teacher a single teacher can have on on a community right um but more than that consider the impact one person can have on any individual depending on how you choose to impact that person for good or for bad um impact is a neutral word <laughs> but, Um anyway
1: Um,
2: yeah yeah so I think that applies to ourselves too like just the past couple of days I've been having this like constant thought that like before you can help and change another's life you have to help and change your own and like that just concept of she helped and fixed herself in such a way that she could then help others I think that's super powerful very much so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Um, that's going to conclude our discussion for today. I'm really excited about our next week. Her life is kind of immortalized in a classic musical that you may or may not have seen. And she had a very similar situation to Gertrude, except she only got to spend her time there for five years. Um, and we'll talk about the impact that she made. So, uh, we will catch you next time.
1: All
2: right. Bye. I'll see you.
1: Bye. I'll see you Au revoir. <laughs> Bye. 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 you might be our worst sign off ever.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to check out our Instagram at Queen Podcast and give us a follow so you never miss our updates. For more information about the women we have discussed or that we will discuss, you can visit our website at www.thequeensilkpodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, queries, dilemmas, recommendations, memes, or you want to share your story with us, you can email us at thequeensilkpodcast at gmail.com. We will respond to all messages as soon as possible. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.